Welcome back to the Better Divorce Podcast. I am your host, Paulette Rigo, and I'm here to guide you through the storm of divorce into much calmer waters. So hold tight. Whether you're contemplating divorce in the thick of it or just rebuilding post-divorce, I've got you covered. Each episode, we'll tackle the tough topics, share resilient stories, and offer practical, helpful advice to help you navigate with confidence wisely. Remember, you're not alone. I've been there, and so have millions of others, and your brighter future awaits, I promise. Ready to turn a tough time into a time of growth? I know you are. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you find this content helpful, please share it with others who might benefit. Now, let's dive into today's topic. See you soon. I am hosting a retreat in Belize. Some of you may know, but I used to live there. And Belize is a melting pot of culture that carries over into the food, the music, and the fun. It is the best of both vibes from jungles to ground you and beaches to heal and soothe. I lived there for many years and go back and forth between there and Atlanta because I can't get enough. My co-host, Tiara, visited me and didn't want to leave either. No one does. This is paradise, folks. My co-host, Tiara, and I chatted about the perfect all-inclusive location for you ladies that are going through a pivot in your life and need to reset, renew, and rebuild, and we nailed it. We kick off with a three-day adventure in the luxurious eco-resort Kapal Tree in the southern Belize jungle, followed by three luxurious days on Thatch Cay Island, a private island over water, oceanfront oasis in the turquoise Caribbean along the Belize Barrier Reef. Whether you're going through or just coming out of a divorce, especially with a narcissist, a career change, or you just want to get back to the parts of you that you haven't seen in a while, we are talking to you. Make note, May 4th to the 10th, 2024, and start packing. Space is very limited on the private island and in the jungle. Be sure to act now. We have a passion for leading truly transformational healing events from heart-opening, accessible guided meditations to connection-based, life-changing tools and practices. We curate each moment with care and compassion to ensure every lady is taken care of from the initial registration to the final namaste. It's better in Belize. Welcome back to the Better Divorce Podcast. Well, you probably know who I am, but just in case you're new to these woods, uh, my name is Paulette Rigo. I'm the founder, CEO of Better Divorce Academy and the host of the Better Divorce Podcast. And today we are going to discuss starting again. Most of the time when you go through a divorce, there's so much to do, being in the thick of it, of the planning and the budget and the discovery and interrogatories and meetings. And I know, I hope you're sitting, there's a lot. 
Then when you get to the end of it, it's a feeling of numbness and whew, did I really go through that? So today we're going to discover that conversation and give you a lot of information and tips about how to make that better. So welcome to the show. I welcome Shauna Lee. She's a best-selling author and a start again coach. Shauna has seven plus years of experience as a women's coach, and she has a podcast called Start Again. So Shauna, welcome to this show. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be here. Well, I want to jump right in. So, you know, it's it's obvious that becoming a, a divorce expert like myself, uh, working with other professionals, because I don't solve all problems, right? I am not a judge. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a CDFA or a CDLP, but I know the best. And I also... Go, can only get them to a certain point. Yes, there are clients that I do help with. Gee, I want to change my name. How do I go about doing that? Or I want to modify my child support um, or my parenting plan. Can you help me do that? But at some point, I pass the baton. It just isn't my, I don't have time and it isn't my expertise. Although I have started over myself. <laughs> so let's start a little bit with your own story. Like what made you want to do this work? Well, uh, it started when I found myself divorced for the third time and I was pretty convinced my life was over. That's it. I ruined my life. My children are going to be traumatized forever. I was working in corporate America at the time. And, um, shortly after that last divorce, I lost two jobs in corporate America in the same year. So I was let go from one company, found myself in another in the same calendar year, let go from that company. So it was really a, a down on my knees moment where I thought, what am I doing with my life? And so I really took some time to do a little soul searching and the book came to me in meditation. And I thought there's no way I'm going to write a book about being divorced for three times. Like, that's just not a thing. I was very much like Ross Geller from Friends like wanting to avoid that last divorce at all costs. Uh, so I certainly was not going to be the one to get out in front of the world and say, Hey, look at me I've been divorced three times. Let me write a book about it. Um, but then that's exactly what I did. Um, I've always wanted to write books. I'm working on my next one, which is about dating midlife. It's going to be very exciting. Um, also, it's very messy. Uh, and so I wrote this book and one thing led to another. Then the podcast came um, and, you know, the business kind of grew from there. And what I realized was the reason I could use this experience of a third divorce is because I had experienced every kind of divorce personally that exists from the World War III most toxic version all the way to like the quote unquote amicable, everyone's kind of getting along, it's nice and easy to the, um, you know, right in between. And so I thought, oh my gosh, I can actually help women through whatever stage they are, whatever divorce they're coming from. Um, I actually don't enjoy talking about the process of divorce because I think we can all agree it's just terrible, but that moment after divorce, where you have the opportunity to, to create a new life, to create a new version of you, to really open your eyes to, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? 
that is the conversation that lights me up and I get really excited. And I love to help women through that stage, figuring out what comes next Mm -hmm. and making it great. Well, you certainly have a deep perspective on it and kudos to you for surviving three marriages and three divorces and still being able to walk. Um, Having only gone through, I'm glad you're laughing, having only gone through one divorce and I'm hoping there's never a second or a third. um, I was 17 when I met my husband. We got married. I was, I think, 23, 24 uh, because my, my birthday was that summer. Um, and he was two years older than I am. And we were young. We oh, didn't yes. know our, um, my grandmother used to say our behind from our elbow. Um, so, but there was another word behind, besides yes. behind, sure. but trying to be polite. Um, and we didn't, you know, I mean, I had a pair of jeans and a toothbrush. I was yeah. just out of college. I yes. was so green. I was like a lawn. I, I just thought everything was going to be Disney world and it was all going to be beautiful. And I was Barbie and he was Ken and I was Cinderella and he was Prince charming. And we were going to grow congruent together and have mutual goals. And we were all going to just, you know, hold hands and walk off into the sunset and sing Kumbaya together. That's a whole quote from a Broadway show called Godspell, if you don't know what I'm talking about, but (laughs) um, I had a dance background. So I have all these little sayings about theater, but, and it wasn't that way at all, Shauna. Like that wasn't, I mean, it wasn't all bad. Don't get me wrong. I have no um, bad things to say about it. We were just young and stupid, right? Everybody nods, right? We're young and stupid. And then maybe the second marriage, we're a little bit older and wiser, but maybe we didn't learn the lesson, right? I always say to my clients, now listen, nothing personal, but uh, I'm the only professional in your life that never wants a repeat client. Yes. If you call me in five years and say, hey, Paulette, do you remember me? Like, guess what? I need you again. I'm going to be really mad at myself for failing you and also you for not listening. So what is the lesson? So whether it's once, twice, three times, or where, uh, what's her name? Elizabeth Taylor. What was it? Eight times or seven or something ridiculous. But you then were able to rise above the ashes and see this as an opportunity for growth to a point where you could create um, a sustainable, really successful business and become an author. So let's talk about the meat of the book and the title. I love it. I love it. You guys ready? So you're divorced. So what? Right. That, that, that there's a little bit of pause there because that's it. There is a little bit of a stigma and um, for sure embarrassment about that. So tell us a little bit about the book. Is it a memoir? Is it a self-help? Is it a fusion of the two? Or what I like to call, um, you know, a pres- prescriptive nonfiction. Um, tell us a little bit about the book. So it is not a memoir. That that memoir is still to be drafted. Um, that one is coming one, one year soon. Uh, no, this is really a self-help book. It is education. It is a guide to rebuilding your life. It is how you put one foot in front of the other. So there, um, I'm going to go from memory. I haven't opened it in a little while, but there's a whole chapter on grieving the loss. Um, there's a whole chapter on doing the work to heal. Um, 
a lot of what I teach in the book is how to break the patterns so that you're not repeating that in future relationships. So taking an honest look at your marriage that has just ended and realizing, um, taking ownership for your responsibility, but also realizing what you don't choose moving forward in a new partner. And so there's a lot of um, do the work in the book. At the end of every chapter, I have um, some practical questions to work through in journaling and some practice items. So it's really guiding people with like, how the heck do I do this um, in tiny little baby steps? And so then there's a chapter on co-parenting, which if you are divorced with children, that is a whole factor. Um, and it really is about giving the person who's reading the book. So I wrote it for women, but I've had many, many men read it. So I now say for the person who's reading it, it really gives them permission to want more. Mm, beautiful. So if you're looking for a guide, I suggest you get her book, but let's put a little bit down the road a bit more, because in my world, I hang out with a lot of people going through divorce, whether I'm mediating privately with the couple where I'm working with both parties, I get to see the, you know, this, the peripheral vision, right? That side view of the emotional impact of both the husband and the wife and what they're going through. Although I've also done many homosexual marriages too. So sometimes we got to say the wives or the husbands, but shall we say the partners? And it's very different, Right. And one of the reasons, in fact, I had an interview yesterday, somebody was interviewing me uh, regarding uh, why marriages break apart. And I kind of summed it up to unrealistic expectations. There is a expectation that everyone has when they fall in love. I was talking about Barbie and Ken, but, you know, don't mean to pick on poor Barbie, but, you know, everyone is these days. So um, there is an expectation of what your life is going to look like, what your uh, role is, what your responsibilities are and what your partner's responsibilities are as being, you know, a spouse, as being a parent. As soon as you, you know, decide to take that big leap, um, it, it, be careful with that one, everyone. It, it can change the whole trajectory of your relationship as it does, you know. Should, as it does. If you're just listening, you know, Shauna's laughing silently to herself. But it's so true when you have these unrealistic expectations. Now, we also have in mediation different goals because one person wants to get it done with fast, furious. Let's make up our minds. Sure, that sounds good. Where do I sign? How long will this take? Why is this taking so long? And the other person is breathing slow and stepping back and wants to go outside and have a cigarette or call someone or swear or, you know, vent. And the other person is like, what is, where are they going? You know, so, and they're wanting to slow it down and, and take a little bit of time. Now, maybe they're not that extreme, but there's, it rarely are both parties at the same pace in mediation. And this of course is something that isn't just, it's a snapshot of their marriage. You know, I see it and I go, no, I totally understand why this marriage may have been a bit of a conflict, right? I don't yeah. say that to them in mediation, but, sure. you know, the little mediator goes, well, you spend as much time as you need outside. I'm here. And this person, I have to say, take, you've got to give them some time. 
Why don't you go take a break too? You know, and if this person's dallying, maybe trying to get this person to, well, what do you think would be a solution? Or, you know, just keeping them a little bit more congruent. But if I'm acting as a coach and I don't know the other party, because I'm, of course, working with one side to help them, not their partner, because I haven't met them typically, that is the norm. It, I have to put myself in the shoes of that other person of, of like, oh, I wonder how they're feeling about this. It's so difficult. So let's, let's think a little bit about this, where you see that lack of congruency, where they each have different values or goals or aspirations. And maybe that's where the relationship derailed in the first place. Maybe it isn't because there are 21 top reasons why couples divorce. But, and I don't mean to pick on poor women, although 70% of divorce is filed by women. And two years is the average amount of time women contemplate divorce to themselves before they share it with anyone. So why do you believe people, although maybe we want to use the word woman, have such a hard time moving on? Well, I think a lot of women get stuck. They get stuck in blaming, anger, hurt, whatever the feeling is, and they don't allow themselves to get unstuck mm. is the simple reason. Um, I, I see a lot of women want to continuously beat the drum of he's so terrible and I'm the victim and um, woe is me, which has its time and place. Like let's, let's feel our feelings. Let's process the hurt because that's legitimate and valid. However, there reach, everyone reaches a point in time where you're no longer serving yourself to continue that story. And so it's, it's a matter of, okay, yes, this happened. Let's acknowledge the hurt. Let's process the feelings. And then what the heck are you going to do with the rest of your life? Like, this is not an enjoyable way to spend your days. And so that's really, I, I think that's the biggest mistake I see women make. I'm going to say in quotes, because it's, you know, it's a process and everyone's process to grieve and to, um, everyone's process looks different. And so, um, my, I think my big value add, if we'll call it that is that I can see the BS and I can cut through the story and say, okay, I can see you. I hear you. And also I want to see you on the other side of this. And I, I think that that's the short answer. And that was a very long winded short answer, but <laughs> they get stuck. Not long at all. I see this mindset where they want to fix it, right? Mm -hmm. they, they may have already accepted the fact that the marriage is over, but they still want to have, and this is admirable. And I want everyone to be able to have a healthy moving forward relationship with their ex Whatever that looks like, that just might be uh, occasionally speaking about the best interests of the children. You know, we're not giving you a prescription as to what that should be. It's going to be very different. I interviewed a couple a few years ago who are divorced. They live next door to one another with their new spouses and they're still BFFs. Okay, that may not be the perfect scenario for all people, but it, it's possible you just have to find that uh, blend of uh, hating each other and still living next door to 
because <laughs> it works for you. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with how old your children are, if you have them, right? If they're still school-aged and yep. you've got to split parenting time and schedules, if you live more than 30, 45 minutes or an hour away, it's going to be a PIA, pain in the fill in the blank, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you really, really love driving and your children love sitting in the backseat of your car, uh, they, they start to resent that because it's wasted time, right? Yeah. You, so you've essentially just described my life. Like, <laughs> so earlier, know. I'm seeing so many different uh, similarities. So like the, back to the, the Disneyland, Disney World um, fairy tale that we, my first honeymoon was at Disney World. Oh my goodness. Like legit rose colored glasses thought, you know, everything was going to be kumbaya. Perfect. Right. Fast forward to the third divorce where I've learned a thing or two. Uh, we actually did buy houses two blocks away from each other. And it was a little, it was a little rocky in the beginning, but the reason we did that was so that our children could have an easier existence living and bouncing back and forth between two houses. Right both in the same district. Well, fast forward a little bit further, dad has now moved and now 45 minutes away is quite painful for everyone involved. And so, you know, I think one of the things I help women through is, is that after the divorce is final stage and you're trying to figure out what does this working relationship look like, being able to own the piece that you have control over and understanding how much power and influence you do in fact have, even though you cannot control what he says or does, it gives a woman a much more empowering outlook on what can it look like moving forward. But also, um, I always like to just remind, like, you're, you're not looking for BFFs. Like I'm not best friends with the guy. We're not, you know, hanging out over coffee and, drinks, just talking about our life, but we can absolutely talk about our children without it being tumultuous. And we can hang out together at a soccer game because my, my focus has always been the working relationship that I'm building with this man I used to be married to, but is still very much the father of my children. And so it's just the story that we tell ourselves that we have to kind of shift it in a way that empowers us and makes us feel better. Mm. There's so many nuances of divorce and moving on that you know we could have this be a nine hour conversation, yeah, but we, we're not sure. going to do that. But so we we touched on a few things, um, but I do want to get your perspective. I'm sure you've had many as a conversation, and I, I don't know that you need to go through your situations. But when you mentioned the houses, that has a lot to do with the practicality of divorce, and. Sometimes what you see in your head of the outcome or the resolution or the ideal settlement agreement, or even if you're litigating the judge's decision, because you just hold your breath and you they tell you what to do and you do it. Although I find that sometimes judges will award somebody something and then it's not able to come to fruition. I can give you an example, you know, about mortgages and houses, but the problem is that, you know, many people um, could be man, could be woman partners are hell bent, pardon the expression, of staying in the marital home. They're very attached to the sheetrock. 
not literally, but the the house, right? It's this because the house represents their hopes and their dreams and their security and their stability. It isn't just an asset to them, like a car or money in the bank. Right. It's, it's it's everything they ever wanted. Like they get very, I can hear it in their voice and they get angry when they start to talk about the house. And yes. ooh, yeah. so even though in their heart, you know, they, well, they want that, but in their head, they know that financially it's just not possible. You know, you need to have two substantial incomes with consistent income over time to be able to support two separate homes. If there's only one income, even if you're in a long-term marriage and there are not significant assets, it's going to be very challenging to maintain that property. It, it is possible in some cases. My husband is a certified divorce lending professional and I bring him into many of my mediations because 86% of divorce cases involve the sale or purchase of real estate. And it is tricky. Um, he's very zen, very earthy, very, if you're into yoga, very kapha, um, very grounded. Um, Zen is the word people throw out, right? But I'm not, you know, I'm very action <laughs> oriented. You know, I mean, I can be calm, don't get me wrong, but I'm very like, let's come to make progress here. And that's where they get stuck. Like we're on this word stuck, right? They want to keep the name. They want to keep the house. They want to keep the photo albums, all the videos, the pictures on the walls, Um it's, it's like this identity, Shauna. This is my experience. She's nodding if you're listening yes, yes. audio, not watching. But it, it's hard to get them inspired and empowered to get a better job, work on your resume, go back to school, um, you know, change your name, uh, see this as an opportunity for growth and excitement about your life. And let's start to think about like all the things you loved in middle school and high school and college that you, I don't know, relinquished or forgot about because you now became a wife and a mother. And now that, well, if your children are older, because gray divorce is now booming, um, divorce 48, 50 over, I don't know what year do the gray, does the gray hair, it's usually considered 50 is gray and 62 is considered silver divorce because we're now thinking about how social security and retirement might affect alimony. Um, and by then typically your kids are out of the house, right? So I know I'm going down this long road where of all the reasons we're staying stuck, but if you only could give somebody a few tips about getting unstuck and they find themselves listening, yes, I am stuck or I feel trapped or I'm, um, um, what's the word, attached to yes. all of those things emotionally as well as physically and even financially, how do you help them get unstuck? Well, so first of all, I would say buy my book. Um, <laughs> I, have a, I have a whole chapter with um, specific questions at the end of this chapter that are geared to answer that question for them. So it's about rediscovering and discovering who you are, because it's both. You mentioned it a little bit, but it's really going back to 
what did I used to love that I no longer do for myself? What have I always wanted to do that I've never had an opportunity to for whatever reason? Um, And so it really is getting your mind out of where you are and thinking about what it can be is what shifts that perspective. It's what will get you to the point where you're like, okay, okay, I can, I can get off the couch today. And I think I can maybe sign up for that art class that I've always wanted to do. Um, another reason people I think stay stuck is because, um, well, and I don't know that this is really talked about often, but our friend groups are always impacted by a divorce. You lose friends that, you know, choose him or, um, or just drift away for whatever reason, or can't support you for all the myriad of reasons why we lose friends, our friend groups shrink and everyone gets to the point where they're like, oh my gosh, how do I make friends at this point in my life? And so, or you're ready to start dating. How the heck do I meet people? That's not online dating. And so both of those needs to bring new people into your life, um, I make the same suggestion. I'm like, go figure out what you like to do. Go sign up for the cooking class. Go sign up to learn how to ride a motorcycle or whatever the thing is that you've always wanted to do. And when you are in that space, you are going to meet people who also like to do the same thing. So it lets you meet new girlfriends. It lets you meet potential dating partners. Um, It just gets you out of your funk. It shifts it and you can start thinking about well, what can I do that is fun that I am excited about? And I think when we start doing that, the things we were attached to previously become less important. Mm. So you mentioned dating. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a whole uh, deep conversation of the afterworld. Um, And depending on how long your case is, you know, if you're, if you're separated, you both, you're not cohabitating anymore. And your case is, you know, going on. I mean, mine was eight and a half years. Um, it isn't always like, okay, I'm divorced. I have the piece of paper. I'm going to spend a year working on myself healing. And then after the year's over, I'm going to then think about dating and then I'm going to do right. it. It's, it's, right. It isn't it's that hot like and dry, right? It's, no. it, it, there's a bit of a blur and a, and a meshment of, the old self into the confused self to the new self. So what is the healthiest, best advice you can give women? Let's just pick on women here that either think they're too old to date or the online apps are not for me. And and that's not safe. Um, I did have a client that started, um, Oh, I forget what it, she branded it. It was a few years ago and I haven't kept up with it, but she was really kind of like a cyber dating expert about safety, safety, safety. Love it. And I was like, wow, this is something I've never had to think about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, do you find that the online apps are the, the way everybody dates now after divorce or are there other alternatives? I and would say abs- that absolutely. Absolutely not. There are, there are always other alternatives is what I will say. So the reason this, this topic, we, we could do a whole episode on just this topic, but this is the reason I'm writing my next book, um, all about midlife dating. And it's going to have anecdotes of good, bad, and ugly, but it is hope filled inspiration. And also that guide to how do you ready your heart to fall in love again? And how do you change 
patterns and how do you attract the quote unquote right person for you? And it is such an involved process. I have a whole course on it's called dating divas and it's all about how do we get ourselves ready to date and then how do we do it? What does it look like? And do we have to do online dating? The answer is no. Um, but you need to be intentional and know what you want. And there is no set time frame. There's not a timetable. It doesn't, it's not a textbook. And so it's, where are you? And, and I see women go through these different stages of dating and there's, you know, there's this honeymoon stage of being free and dating. And, and then quickly we realize, well, that's not quite as fulfilling as I thought it was going to be. And then, okay, maybe I'm ready. No, not quite ready. Okay. Maybe I'm ready for an actual relationship again. And there's all these stages we go through. And so it really is about honoring yourself through each of those stages and knowing what you want and giving yourself permission to have it. Mm. Beautiful. So there's, there's hope everyone, you know, there's hope, there's hope. Right. Um, I, I always ask everyone, you know, if there was one question that you wish somebody asked you more often and when your response to this, I've never seen before. So you said fashion advice. Should I wear this outfit? And I don't know if you remember that, but why do you wish people asked you for fashion advice or should you do think I should wear this outfit? I'm fascinated by your answer. Uh, that's hilarious. I don't remember writing that. Um, <laughs> but I totally still agree. Um, listen, I, I tend to, I'm a recovering very judgmental person. And so I have lots of opinions on what people should and should not be wearing. Um, mostly though, because I have a knack for being able to make you look most attractive. So there are ways that you can wear certain things that are flattering to, I don't care what your body looks like. You can pick clothes that look good on it. Mm -hmm. And I wish more people would do that. It's the, a way, first of all, it makes us I'm going to speak for women feel more confident when we feel beautiful and sexy. And that can totally start with what you're wearing. Mm. And after divorce, that's particularly important. Absolutely. It isn't so much that what it is you look like, it's how you feel uh, that 100%. raises the bar internally for your voice to be, um, you know, congruent with how you look as to feeling confident. Because if you're always lacking confidence about I'm too old, I'm too this, that, or the other thing, what you can make a long list of all the things you think you're mm -hmm. not enough. And you're never going to leave the house, right? You're going to keep yourself contained in this little box of what your comfort zone is. And whatever that is, is it, um, what is your, you know, what is the, your go-to outfit? Um, I saw um, one of my favorite um, stars from my childhood was Valerie Bertinelli. Oh, yes. And she has this wonderful Instagram page where she's just so raw and so real and so freaking adorable. And she's gone through, I think, two or three divorces. I don't know. And uh, at what point do you stop counting? Um, and she gained a, a good amount of weight and she wasn't feeling good. But there's this video of her in her closet and she was wearing her fat outfit. 
and it was kind of hanging off her a little bit. You know, it wasn't like she, you know, those ads where you see the man that's lost 800 pounds and the jeans are, you know, like as far as their hands could stretch and now they're anorexic. Like it's not that crazy an example. And, and we don't even know if any of those are real, but, but the point is she was wearing this and she just was very quiet. And she said, I found my fat outfit when I first started before I started, she was doing like Jenny Craig or something, or I don't know, I forget all those, um, Nutrisystem or something, you know, there's, I don't know, 30 weight loss things. And, and she says, I can't believe I thought I was fat. Like, you know, she goes into this whole thing about, and it was just, a, I don't know, a pink and white striped blouse or something it was nothing fancy it was just your average kind of what you'd wear like jeans and a blouse type of thing and um it is but the the confidence in her voice yes was, was conveyed in such a way of where she was when she was going through her whatever with her divorce and whether it was the, the during or after I'm not sure where it was that video in her divorce case but here she was now the after feeling like what was I thinking like confident and and here's this Hollywood star that anyone who grew up in the 70s loved um you know she was like the it girl and she became uh what was his name Van Halen's wife and all that so and she's just absolutely adorable so if she can feel confident, you know, find a role model in two that you can see. Community is so important too. That's one of the reasons yes. I do divorce, um, retreats for women. My next one is in May, May 4th to the 10th. And the website is after the narcissist. Now I don't, you don't have to be married to a narcissist to come, but my partner and I, Tiara Womack, are always joking about, oh, she said he was a narcissist. Oh, she said he was a narcissist. Maybe he is. If he displays lack of empathy, entitlement, and exploitation, well, the jury is probably out that there may be some um categoristic categoristics, you know, categoristics, uh, you know that, that in fact, he checks those boxes. So um, it's just a matter of finding the right people that can help you move through it. So you're not stuck in the woulda, coulda, shoulda of the past. So uh, yeah, we've covered so many things. So, so many things. I love that you say you're never too old and it's, you're, it's never too late. Yes. Uh, <laughs> listen up to that. That is so true. It is true. And I'll just say one last thing about the fashion. And that is if you're stuck or on the fence or not sure about a particular outfit, put it on, look in the mirror and say, do I feel fabulous? And if you don't, then that's clue. Number one, then maybe it's not the outfit for you. Yeah. And I also find that my color choices have changed. I mean, here I am sitting in this little black thing today, but I had to go to a speaking um, engagement this morning and look a little bit, you know, with the black, that the suit jacket. And yes, sometimes yes. I hang out with lawyers and sometimes I hang out with uh, mental health practitioners. So um, if you, you look in your closet and everything is black or you go in your closet and everything's pink, right? Or whatever it is, you know, and you're just like, Maybe it's the color or the style, you know? I mean, I used to wear, being a dancer too, I used to run around in tights and a leotard all the time and people would say to me, oh, I'm like, and then they'd see me in clothes and they go, I've never seen you in clothes. 
meaning they'd only seen me in leotards. I was like, be careful you say that too. But it's true. I used to run around with like a leotard and little shorts on all the time because I was a dance teacher. And I hated wearing clothes because it was so much effort. Now I hate wearing yoga clothes because it reminds me of having to, um, you know, teach ballet and like tights. I would rather kill myself than wear a pair of tights. So, you're, you know, be okay with you're going to change what you used to love to wear may not yes. resonate with you. And it isn't just an age thing. It's a maturity thing. It's a, you know, like you said, if you don't feel it, like take it off. But also one thing I find a lot of women have done in a marriage or especially after becoming a mom, we feel like we need to have this persona, right? We need to be mature and responsible. And, and I like to give women permission to, what have you always wanted to wear? Go wear it. Like who says that's not okay. Right. Like it can go both ways. Yeah. And I also find some young mothers, when they have a child, they start dressing like their child, that whole like, you know, matchy, matchy outfit thing. My daughter used to love Disney when she was like, I don't know, two to uh, probably seven. And I used to wear like matching, she'd have a Winnie the Pooh outfit on and I'd, or a little dress or suspenders and I'd buy like a little Winnie the Pooh sweatshirt. I don't know what was going on in my brain. Um, But it was this weird mom thing where like I had to, you know, be a child again. It was like trying to live vicariously through my children and, 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 you know, revert to my own childhood. Who the heck knows? My parents were not Disney people. So um, it's weird. It is weird. Be you. You no longer have to check the boxes of what someone else defines for you. That's the liberating, amazing thing about divorce is you are free to recreate your entire life. Uh, Your name, where you live, what you do for a career, where you travel, who you hang out with, who you let go of. You do not need to have the people in your life that you used to have in your life. No, I'm not saying you need to just dump them all and, you know, uh, you know, get rid of people. We're not looking to discard things. But when I used to take teach yoga, I would say, take from the mat what serves you and leave behind what doesn't. Exactly. Well, maybe if there's ever a time in your life to do the same, it's divorce. So take from the divorce what serves you and leave behind what doesn't. On that, how do people find you and learn more about your books and your courses to help them start again? Well, I would love to invite all of your listeners to join my Start Again Club, which is my email list on my website, shaunalee.com. And um, I'm on all the socials at Simply Shauna Lee. Um, but through the end of the year, I'm really focusing my efforts on dating. So for those of your listeners who are thinking, I don't think I'm quite ready for that, but maybe I will be one day soon, then I would invite you to join me because that's what that course does. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't help you with that because I'm married, but I did forget to wear my wedding ring today. Oh. I have no earrings on, no necklace, no watch. I'm like jewel, I'm naked jewelry list. So yes. I just got up and said, I, I, I got to go. So it is weird. I was like, oh, I don't have any rings on. So it's uh, funny. It's I have these moments of like the phantom ring. I haven't worn a wedding ring in like eight, nine years now. And I, I have every once in a while this phantom, like, yeah. like, where's my ring? Oh, wait, I don't have one. 
That is such a great thing. I do remember, and I, my ring now is thick and it's, it doesn't have a stone on it because, you know, it, it goes all the way around, but it's thick. And, but my old ring was small. My finger used to be a four and a half. I'm now a six. Um, but it was my, I was so skinny. It was pathetic how skinny I was. I never ate, you know, that was like, I was a dancer. Like I had, yes. you think I got cheekbones now? Like, forget about it. So I don't even wear makeup anymore. But um, my, my ring was a four and a half, but I had a dent. Mm -hmm. It was permanent. I would take it off just to, you know, cause it would get soap in it or, you know, and I'd be like, I still look married. It had a tan line too, you know? So, yes, but now it's like kind of gone. Right. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, even, even our fingers can heal. That's right. Even our fingers can heal. Even when I'm like, this was broken from a bowling ball, but, um, I put my hand where the bowling ball is and it, um, well, it was to save my four-year-old from breaking his finger. So Oh, the things Oops. we do as a mom. And I couldn't get the finger off. So the police department, sorry, the fire department had to cut the ring off me. So, but yeah. it's still crooked. You can't, it kind of takes a hook. This oh one. yeah. Anyway, we are digressing everyone. We so <laughs> say no more. Everything heals. Fingers, rings, phantom rings. You can move forward. Start again. Thank you, Shauna, for this very fun conversation. Uh, as you can see, you will laugh again. You yes will start again. So until next time, everyone, I will see you. Have it, have it be better. Thanks for joining me today. If you were inspired by today's episode, please share it with a friend or a loved one. My hope is you feel empowered to take some action, no matter how big or small action that allows you to step out of the chaos and thrive on your own terms. If this podcast added any value to your day, please review it on iTunes, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Until next time, keep thriving in the chaos.